Today we tune into part two of the series, The Benefits to Churches That Send Their Own to the Mission Field. In this episode, Jeff Jackson tosses around some church priority hot potatoes as he presses into the very real tension of reaching the world versus reaching the local community. Both need to be done, but usually one happens at the expense of the other. So you guys now, instead of calling nations to come, you guys go to the nations. You're all a temple because I'm present in you. So until, t- instead of calling people to come to temples, come to the temple, he's telling the temples, you go and live among the people. So that outward versus uh, that, that sort of attractional model ver- versus the sort of scattering model. And so how does the church benefit from... The scattering, the scattering model, model. Yeah. when when everything that we do, we I mean it's so necessary for the church to grow in right. numbers on one piece of real estate. <laughs> well, is it necessary for the church to grow in in, in large numbers at one piece of, in one piece of real estate? Not necessarily. You know, the, the, a church the church can have many forms, and it can be you know it can be a handful of people can actually be functioning in the role that God's designed the church to be. So, so that, that's sort of not a foundational um, requirement. Um, But, but, but the idea being that, Hey, when a local church understands uh, that, yeah, God's called it to reach its local community and to raise, you know, to help those that are part of it to grow and discover their gifts and, and be what God's called them to be when they understand when they're doing that and they understand that God's also called them to have a role in in His global things. They'll know, and they'll know. And of course, God's smart; he, he knows this. He's not sending all of the members of the church to go overseas to be missionaries. What He's what He's doing is He's going to select a, a few people. He's going to call them to go. And the very fact that He calls them to go, and they're just a few members, is going to it's it's it requires the effort of the complete body to send them. And the fact that they're going to go and participate in the larger thing that he's doing, then they're going to leave a vacuum in certain things that they were doing, certain relationships, and and that their movement outward is going to cause growth in the church in a way that if they stayed present, they wouldn't, along with all of the growth that comes from the practical things the church should do to send them and take care of them. So, so it you know to me when you when when a church reciprocal benefits of sending missionaries is the church matures in its in its health because a healthy a healthy body uh, a true living organism is growing and it's not just growing in and of itself it's growing an impact outside of itself and how how wide that scope is when it, when it's global that's kind of what god's ultimate design was so there's that benefit there. And then there's the benefit of increased prayer. The church members press into God at a deeper level and with more passion when somebody they really know and love is moved to the Middle East or moved to another country. So the prayer life of many members of the church is, is amplified because they've sent somebody to the field. Then the opportunity, when, when the financial giving component, when the church says to its members, part of your giving is not just for us to maintain our facility and take care of the things that need to be taken care of to serve you and pay for our staff that serve you here. A part of your giving we're sending to expand God's kingdom around the world by supporting these missionaries. That right there provokes people 
to look at their own lives and say, wow, am I, am I giving, you know, to my home church? Am I also giving over and above that? Can I, should I rearrange some of my resources to try to have a participatory way to be involved with what God's doing around the world? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of intangibles initially, but once the church takes a step to do that, the culture of the church changes when you send your own. That's kind of a radical way to say it, but the church culture changes when it actually starts to send its own. The, the church is not going to be the same in a good way. Whenever, especially when it comes to finances and prayer, you know, those two things, they work their way into an individual and an individual cannot help but yes. change if if that individual number one rearranges the time he has in order to include right. more prayer it rearranges priorities so he's thinking of others more than thinking right. of himself and then finally if he looks at his at you know his bank statement and it says wow I'm I'm giving this much to pennies and this much to Sears and this much to you know capital one but I'm not doing anything for the furtherance of the gospel and I don't say that to make people feel guilty I say that when you regularly inventory those those things I've just stated your prayer life your 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 priorities and your finances you benefit as mm -hmm. a person and, and as you grow, you know, your church right. grows. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the other thing that I was, uh, that I saw, and, and this happened, we experienced it when we got back, but here's, here's, here's the cool thing is, you know, when we talk about prayer and we talk about financial giving towards uh, members that the church has sent as missionaries, those are, those are all sort of individual decisions that are made. And maybe we're going to do those whether or not anybody else is going to do them. But, but when a church, another benefit, a reciprocal benefit is when a missionary goes, the very fact that they've plunged into this level of dependence on the body that very few people live at. I mean, basically, for them to go do what God's called them to do, they've gotten rid of everything. They've thrown themselves on, on God moving enough and enough other people to take care of them financially and meet a lot of the other needs they have. When, you came, when we came back, and again, this was just... Uh, incredible by my pastor and my church, you know, our church basically together said, Hey, the Jacksons are coming back. God's blessed them with an apartment to move into when they arrive. And Hey, together, let's furnish the apartment. And we're going to start a fund to, or, or not a fund. If you'd like to buy groceries and stock the cupboards for them. So all of a sudden, the fact that we went into missionary status, complete dependence on the body, a lot of individuals within that, there's certain facets of the missionary life that require the body to work together. And, and when the body comes to work together for some, a cause larger than their own interest, and especially when it's a, for a person that they know and love, there are tethers of connection that are deep, that are broadened, increased, and deepened among the members of the church when together they say, hey, the, our missionaries are coming back. I'm going to give let them use my car. Well, I'm going to connect them up with the dentist that I know. Well, hey, I, you know what? I know uh, I, I have a, a hairstylist that can take care of their hair. Hey, I got a, uh, you know, this guy in the church over here works for uh, one of the clothing stores and we can get him some clothing. And this guy works at Disneyland. Let's send him. To, and went, wow. You know, now the, the reciprocal benefit of that is the body is being 
bound together deeper in this shared passion to serve the missionary who gave up a lot to go. Jeff, can I throw you a hot potato? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I can play in my mind the soundtrack of people that I've worked with in ministry that have said, "I, I don't want my people to be approached with more things because they're already so busy. How do you respond to the church leader that says that? They're already so busy with what they're doing here that I don't want to lay any more outside requests on them. Right. Well, first of all, I I think I, I understand that because I've pastored a church and I understand that there's a million demands on people's time and you don't want to expose them. You know, you don't want to overexpose them. But two things immediately come to my mind. Number one, certain things are worth hearing about regardless of how much other stuff they're hearing about. Mm. So, hey, I, I don't care how many other people are tugging for your money. The reality of God's kingdom be expanding, being, being expanded to people that have never heard it before and who he's using to do that. I don't care what else you're hearing about. You need to hear about that because you're not hearing about that in any of the other frames of reference. So to me, you know, in a sense, global missions and the needs of missionaries trump any other thing that that people could potentially be exposed to, to grab their attention and maybe their resources. Secondly, I think that, you know, you just, hey, people are, are people and they're, they're mature. And it's like, hey, I'm not, I'm not their mom. I'm not their dad. So I, I, you know, at some point I've got to trust they're mature enough that if I introduce one more opportunity for them into their lives, that I've got to trust that they know I did it after prayer, that I, that I considered the consequences of doing it, but I trust them if they want to bite on it or not. I think they're mature enough to figure out whether they want to get involved or not. I don't think I should limit them from hearing about the opportunity. There, there is this mindset among a lot of church leaders that like people are stupid and and people can't handle stuff when you know it takes a maturity level that my people don't have so I can't expose them to that. I just I don't know. I have I have a bit of a hard time with that. It's it sounds incredibly prideful to me. But but at the same time you don't want to you you don't want to use the platform God's given you to over expose people when they're coming for specific reasons to the church and and they're coming to grow in Christ and hear his word taught and worship together and all those things. Hey, when it comes to global missions, that's part of all that. Right. Global missions overlaps with worship. It is worship taken to the globe. It is teaching. It's the fleshing out and the and the application of God's word being taught. In fact, I had that conversation last night. I taught a class and I had a conversation about the, uh, you know, just that reality that Paul, the greatest theologian in the New Testament, was also the greatest missionary. And that's no accident. And you can't tell me you're studying theology and pressing into God rightly if you don't care about global missions. I don't know what God you're pressing into, but it's not the God of the Bible. If your theology has developed and you don't care about God's glory among the nations. Sorry. That's... that's... That's a straight answer. It's a straight answer. And, you know, and, and I find it fascinating like Jonathan Edwards, who most people would call the greatest theological mind, you know, ever produced, and a lot of uh-huh. other people, he wanted to be a missionary by the end of his life. I mean, when you, you and you, you look at some of what some of the things Spurgeon said, you look at 
if you're truly a theologian that's really comprehending God and pressing into him, you will either want to be a missionary yourself or you'll go, hey, we've got to be about God's business. Yeah. So I, I just think, yeah, the whole idea and, and even, you know, uh, the whole the the whole idea of and I, I think I wrote a blog post on this a while back. I can't remember what I even titled it, but the idea that missionaries understand that you're going to the field has a reciprocal benefit to your home church. Uh, Cups of cold water, I think it was the was uh, the title that I used, but the basic idea of from Proverbs, I want to say it's Proverbs twenty five twenty five that you know, good news from a far country is like a cup of cold water. And and the idea that missionaries, when you report from the field what God is doing out there, you're giving cups of cold water to those back home because they need to be refreshed. Living life in the dry, arid, mundane, routine, warp and woof of life in America. So that, that missionary's communication with his church back home is part of that reciprocity, reciprocal benefit, the full circle, you might say. You know, you talk about Paul being one of the greatest theologians and one of the greatest missionaries. I think that he's also one of the greatest communicators. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as you were talking about, you know, what you what you were just saying, but then also just a few minutes ago, you were talking about as missionaries go, it creates a vacuum and, and opens up new doors of opportunity. You know, I think about just all the little stories we have in Acts as this young church is, is, you know, finding its footing in culture and maturing apostles are, you know, responding to those needs in the, the most biblical or the most godly way they, they can think of. I mean, the Bible's being written as they, as they, <laughs> as they uh, act out this story. Right. But I also think of just very specifically um, the book of Philemon, which I read in my quiet time the other day. Yes. I think about, you know, Paul <laughs> is sending, he's sending Philemon, right? Yeah. No, oh, no. no he's, Philemon, oh, is, he Philemon is the owner. Onesimus is oh, yeah, the player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I, I, was, I, was, I had the characters mis- mixed up, but the idea is that Paul is giving up. I mean, he makes a huge point about I'm giving up this person to come bless you. Yes. You know, receive this person well. But the idea that that Paul is sending, and it's a sacrifice. Yes. And he's making the sacrifice known so that, you know, the readers of that that open letter that goes to Philemon really, really understand, you know, if you want to use the word austerity mm-hmm. for Paul, I mean, he's giving something up. Mm-hmm. And so now... Philemon, please give something up, but you will benefit from, you know, and just that whole idea of that uh, there's, there's nothing packed with more reciprocity yeah. than that story. Yeah. And, and, and nothing really is a, is a better story of what the triune God, I don't even know if give up is the right word when Jesus was sent to us. I mean, oh, there's, yeah, absolutely. there was, I mean, clearly that was, there was a sacrifice made by the son to come and by the father and the spirit to send him. Yeah. As I said, I don't, t- I, can't I can't wrap my brain around any, any part of that. <laughs> yeah. I can't either. But the, but the idea that he's not present in the same way he was previously with the father and the spirit it is a real is, is some way I don't fully understand it is some way a reality. 
And, and while we don't understand it, I think God wants us to. Right. And so I think that's why the Bible is front loaded with stories like Philemon. Yes. And, and some of the other stories that we have in scriptures, like this is a sacrifice for all, but it's also a benefit for all. Yeah. And hey, let me let me make one more point before we stitch this together. Um, and, and I think this is important. And, and again, I'm, I'm, I know I realize I'm an outlier with a lot of my, <laughs> my a lot of my thoughts <laughs> and my views of the church. But that's why I love you. I, I, I think that I think there is a certain amount of benefit of nutrition given to a local church that supports missionaries, you know, funds them, prays for them when they come back, speaks to the speaks, let them speak to the church, love on them and so forth. There's a certain amount of benefit that the church gets from that. Even if those missionaries that they're doing that for were not previously members of their church. But having said that, when you send one of your own, you should every church should be participating as much as possible in helping missionaries in general. But the level of benefit that comes from one of your own members being called and you sending them is just, it can't be duplicated if you don't, haven't sent one of your own to go. And so when I planted the two churches that I planted and, and the, a lot of the churches that I work with, look, if you're new, if it's a new church or whatever, and you've never sent one of your own out, you need to be involved in missions. Here's how, blah, 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 blah. That's going to be good for your church too, along with whatever God's doing around the world. But if you're really teaching the Bible here, uh, sooner or later, God's going to call some of your members to go. And when that actually happens, when some of your integral members of your local church are called to go, there's going to be uh, growth opportunities there that would not come if you hadn't actually sent one of your own. The family that sends somebody off to war, one of their family members off to war, uh, as, as awesome as it is that a church is behind the kid that goes off to war. The immediate family of that kid is carrying that at a different load, at a different level. Mm. And um, both the good and the bad of that and the challenges of that. So I think that's important. And I'm always, I'm constantly in the churches I work with, if they're not, well, most of the churches we work with, they are sending their own. But when I have opportunity to churches that have yet send their own members, where they've just gotten behind other missionaries from other churches, I say, look, how, how long till you send your first? That's a legitimate question. If you're not wow. participating with your own flesh and blood, then something's a little haywire and there's some level of growth you're missing out on as a church. That's quite a challenge. So when, when you, when you ask people that question, how often is, Oh, we got, we, we actually, I'm glad you asked me that. Cause we have somebody, we got so-and-so's getting ready or do they say, Oh, I haven't really thought of that. I don't know that we're that in that season. Yeah, yet. Most of them say that some of them actually say, you know, that's interesting. You say that because we've had, you know, we've had a couple of people go on short-term trips and they've come back and they've kind of shared that they're, they're thinking God may be calling them to go. And then, so I, of course, I key in on that and say, well, that's a very good, that's a very good possibility. And then how much, and then what I like to, of course, I always got to get a little dig in there. Uh, I say, and you know, are you, are you and the other pastors, are you guys praying for God to raise up some of your, some of your own and send them overseas? If you're not, why not? Because isn't that what God does? He, he's going to finish the great commission, you know? And every pastor will agree with this. Well, the local church is the primary vehicle, you know, that, that God wants to reach the world with. No, no, no local pastor is going to 
disagree with that. Well, okay, if that's true, then, uh, you know, are you praying for your church's participation in that with your own members? So a big subject. We could maybe unpack that a little bit more too, in specific details, but I think I think we've kind of, you know, there's, there is, that, that's where the whole blog post, the benefits of a local church accrues to a local church when they send their own and send well. Thanks for listening to Facilitating the Mission. We consider it a privilege to have you spend time with us. If you found today's podcast helpful, please leave a review on the podcast platform where you heard us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Search at Shep Staff on any of these platforms. That's S-H-E-P-S-S-T-A-F-F.